Several weeks ago, uh, Know Your Bible Sunday, Steve Tandy mentioned that Bill Oakley was at home watching Know Your Bible. I was giving some answer to some question, and Bill was uh, getting into the game, as they say. He was shouting at the TV and and uh, telling me, who was giving the answer, to give him Romans 6. Give him Romans 6. Well, tonight, uh, Bill will get his request. I don't know if he's watching online or not, but uh, if you are in your Bibles and care to follow along, we are going to be in Romans 6 tonight. I'm convinced that Romans 6, if we understand it, can change your life forever. And so that's what we have titled tonight's lesson. I want to welcome you back, those of you who are here this evening, and appreciate your graciousness and uh, willingness to join us back this evening as we continue to talk about God's amazing grace. And we've been endeavoring to talk about people's stories in the scriptures and how God has used, poured out undeserved favor and undeserved merit and grace and gifts to many folks uh, throughout the story. And tonight we're looking at really how his grace is poured out to us and how it will change. So we turn to Romans chapter 6. Um, and as we think about uh, this entire letter, in my opinion, is really centered on grace. Uh, the theme verse, if you want, wanted to call it that, might be Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Paul says, <clears throat> verse 16 rather, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And that particularly verse 17, it's the righteousness from God. It wasn't something that we extended to God. It wasn't something that we earned and, and, and gave to God. It was something, a gift to, him, uh, to us from him. And uh, we are, of course, most thankful for it. Now, we're not going to cover the entire book, but if, if we had to sum it all up, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 would be the, the center point, the, the key part of this entire text. So let's dive into Romans chapter 6. Uh, I think it, if you apply it, it won't just change your life, but it will change uh, your eternity. Romans chapter 6, uh, we deal at the outset with this, these two things which seem to be opposed to one another. Verses 1 and 2. What then shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we, how can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Uh, grace, as a topic, as a subject, uh, makes some people nervous when we think about it. Uh, people believe, well, you know, if you, just, if you just talk about the goodness and the grace of God, uh, you will, people will naturally say, well, there's no consequence. We might as well just keep on sinning. In fact, Paul says, uh, should we go on sinning that grace may increase, which apparently was an argument that they may have made. Uh, this attitude greatly misunderstands grace. When, when we try to understand grace from a, 
a legalistic, works-based mentality, it's easy to think, well, if, if we're not getting what we deserve then, and we're, we're just given a gift and it's all free, it has nothing to do with us, why not just sin? I like Paul's response here. Uh, may it, by no means, is what my translation says. Uh, there are several different translations in the English, and they, there are a multitude of the way this original wording is, is set out. Um, uh, it's not to be thought of. Not at all. God forbid. That be far from us. Of course not. May it never be a never exclamation point. By no means exclamation point. Certainly not. Heaven forbid. God forbid. Uh, those are the way that original language is rendered. Paul speaks vehemently in favor of grace, but adamantly against grace being abused and, and against us misunderstanding. Far from taking sin lightly, grace does quite the opposite. Grace reminds us of the great cost of our sin. The great cost of the gift which was given to us, which came to us through Christ Jesus. And when we understand the great cost of the gift... We treat it with great, great care. I'm not sure what gifts will be under your tree or that you might receive uh, this season. But if you get something that came at great cost, uh, maybe financially, maybe uh, it cost a great amount, but maybe it was something that, was, that took a lot of time. Um, the manger this morning, Luke Campbell uh, built that for me. It's a very simple structure. I asked him to do that a few weeks ago. And he did that, and it kind of had a, a cool meaning to me because uh, he uh, had purchased, when, after my grandfather passed away, uh, the wood that was left uh, that I've talked about before in, in my grandpa's shop when they uh, auctioned the farm. Uh, Luke was the one who bought that wood. And so he brought that manger into the office, and he said, I, I, said, I appreciate it, and I really appreciate the time that it took, um, but it had more meaning there for me than it did for you probably. It reminded me of what Grandpa used to do. As I've told you before, he was a woodworker. And uh, every year at Christmas, he drew someone's name for next year's Christmas. And he would draw your name, and, and then he'd kind of decide what he was going to build you. And he'd kind of ask and think about it. But it was a project that took the whole year. I mean, the cost, I mean, there was some cost to it, the cost of the lumber and the cost of the materials to build it, of course. Uh, mine was a bookshelf. I still have it means the world to me because it was a great cost. I treated it with special care because I know what went into it. It wasn't so much the financial, understand, it, it was the time that he gave. When we understand what grace is all about and how God has been working, as we talked about for thousands of years, putting this plan into place, A, brought himself into our world, humbled himself greatly. When we understand the cost of, of living as a human being and not only submitting himself to death, but a criminal's death, a cruel death, a humiliating death on the cross. We realize that that gift was a great cost. And we treat it with great care because of the sacrifice involved. Paul provides in two major reasons why we in God's grace should not continue in sin. Verses 3 through 10, I'll read. <clears throat> Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And now if we have been freed with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And so we in Christ, and this, this is the assumption that we're running, those who have been buried with Christ, who have been baptized with Christ, who have died with Christ, so that they might be raised with Christ, they have, been, they have experienced a dramatic change, a transformation Because we've moved from death to life. Our old self has been killed and buried with Christ. Um, We know your Bible. We often go to Romans chapter 6 when we're talking about the subject of immersion, of baptism. Because people want to argue with us about what baptism is that is is sprinkling sufficient or or is you have to be buried. The scripture has all sorts of examples of burials, of going into the water. And Romans chapter 6 is quite clear that if we have been baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. You see, baptism, what happens there is a, is a spiritual thing, but what's ha- he's describing here, you're buried with Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What did you die to? You died to yourself. You died to sin. How then, Paul says, can you live in it any longer? Now think about this. This is a little bit of a grotesque illustration, but hopefully it carries the point. He's talking about baptism here. He said we've been buried with Christ. Uh, probably most of you in here, in here I've been to a burial, a, 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 an internment, they call it. Okay, that, That's buried. The, the body is put under the ground and covered with dirt. It's buried. It's what they did then. It's what, what we do now. Okay, there, There's no... There's no sprinkling involved in that process. That would be a really creepy cemetery. Okay? He, and, and I don't mean that to be facetious. The burial that happens in baptism is something that's symbolic and significant and important because what's happening there is you're saying, hey, something, someone has died here. This is God's grace to us, that we have the ability to put off the old self And to be raised with Christ in a new self. And we can have, because of that, 
a new walk. You cannot be new in Christ and walk in your old ways. You can't do it. You can't be a a dead man, died to self, died to sin, and living in sin. Living in what you died to. It's impossible. Paul says later in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. When we go to a, a burial, for someone who's in Christ, will say something like, we've gone as far as we can. What is being buried here is the old, but what is ha, has been and will be raised is the new. May we not forget that when we're in Christ, we move from death to life. So baptism is where that happens, and there's how it happens, and there's the picture of what happens The grace of Jesus begins with a funeral, if you want to think of it like that. A death, a repentance. The old self is crucified, and you consider yourself dead to sin. You've been buried, and you've been gone under the water. And and in that moment, there's a picture of moving from death to life. And the gift here, the grace, is that we've been given new Eternal life, resurrection life, uh, eternal life, and abundant life. We're no longer slaves to sin. That doesn't mean we're not tempted to sin. That doesn't mean that sin doesn't come into our world. That doesn't mean we're maybe even not enticed by sin. But the difference here is key. We're not mastered by it. We're not enslaved to it. We have the ability to walk away from it. Is there's a difference between someone who's struggling in sin and a difference in someone who's serving in sin, who's enslaved to it. Paul says when you've been, when you're in this new life, you're not mastered by sin any longer. We are no longer mastered by it. We die with Christ and we walk with Christ in a new way of living. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 and following. Apostle Paul says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, this is an element of grace here, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Express for us in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, it's when we've been buried with Christ and are raised that God gives to us the gift that we didn't earn. It's just the point when you receive it. I was, we've been watching Christmas movies on in, in most of the month. Uh, if we get a free evening, we'll sit around and ask the kids, well, what Christmas movie you want to watch? 
And uh, the one we most watched recently was Christmas with the Cranks, uh, which is a funny, cute little movie. And there's this is a story of these people who basically decide they're going to skip out on Christmas. They have a big neighborhood production, and they have a huge Christmas Eve party, and they have all sorts of stuff that they normally do. And their daughter has left. She's gone off to serve in the Peace Corps, and, and they decide, you know, we're just not into it this year. Let's just take a trip to the Caribbean. Let's just skip out on Christmas, not do any of the things we normally do and so the movie's about all of the expectations everyone has on them and how they try to get out of them, create some comical situations. Anyway, the daughter—I'll spoil the movie—but you know, if you haven't seen it by now, you're probably not going to see it. So I'll just tell you: the daughter decides to come home day before Christmas, day before they're supposed to leave on their big trip, and so they have to hurry and. Everybody's left town, nobody's coming to the party, and so they call in the neighbors and they ask for their help and they get this party all ready. And, and the dad's kind of in a sour mood, even though they pull this all off and they, the daughter comes home with her new boyfriend and it's a big deal and they're having this party and he kind of is sour about it. He's sour because he didn't get to go on the trip. He had this big plan of just getting out of things and the wife kind of admonishes him a little bit. He kind of thinks about it. He decides to give the tickets to, and the airplane tickets and the, everything for the trip that they had planned to his neighbor whose wife is dying of cancer. So he walks across the street kind of begrudgingly because he and the neighbor don't have a great relationship. So he opens the door and they have this sort of awkward interaction. And uh, there's this moment where I thought, that's a, that's a pretty good picture of grace. The man's offering something that was came at great cost to himself, and what the man, the neighbor, has to do is take it. He didn't want to because he didn't have a great relationship with his neighbor, and you know he's he's down about his situation in life. But here's extending to him a, a gift of goodwill, an expression of Christmas, and he says, "Okay." And they, there's this moment where they take it, and I thought, that's it. That's the picture. God gives us grace through Jesus Christ. We didn't earn that. There's nothing we could do to earn it, to earn his favor. But you, you understand, those of us who have been buried with Christ, that's the moment when we say, okay, if it's your gift, God, and this is how you say to take it, then I'll take it. We've been moved from death to life. All right, the last half of the chapter. <clears throat> we have been called from slavery into freedom. We've been freed from slavery into sin, and yet we're, we're still slaves. We've been enslaved to Christ. We in Christ are free from the cruel, cruel master of sin. Um, but we serve under a new master in grace. You understand that the people who think, well, I'm in Christ, I'm free to sin, they misunderstand that they, they haven't been freed from any master. They've just been given a new master, a new boss, a new leader in Christ. When you think I'm free to sin, I can do as I want, I can live as I want because my sin's forgiven, it's taken care of, you're not living as servants and slaves to Christ. We've been bought at a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's within you, who you have 
from God. There's the grace picture again, okay? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. You were bought at a price. In fact, the scripture says you were not only bought at a price, that you were given the gift of grace, but you were also given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That happens when you're immersed into Jesus Christ. You're receiving the gift of mercy and also the gift of his spirit who lives within you. So live to please the one who's now in charge of you. We're freed from both, both from sin and to serve him. Romans chapter 8. I know it's not Romans chapter 6, but refer to Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For what the law was powerless to do, that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. We've been freed from sin, but we're supposed to serve in the way of the spirit. He guides, he directs, his word shows us how to live. The the question is not, are you enslaved? The question is, who's your master? If I want to know who your master is, I just have to watch who you obey. If I want to know who's in charge, I just have to look at whether it's a job situation, whether it's a relationship situation. I just need to look at who's calling the shots. And if a person is living in sin, they're living to sin. They're serving sin. They're serving probably themselves. They're serving Satan. They're serving our enemy. But if a person is living not to sin, but to serve and to walk in the way of the Spirit and to to serve other people, they're serving Christ. When when a person is living their life based on what Jesus wants them to do, it's apparent who their master really is. Which brings us to the last grace takeaway for the series and for the year. Choose carefully who you serve. Sin always leads to death. Uh, regardless of how good it may seem, sin always leads to death. The wages of sin is death. It was true for Adam and Eve. It's true for us. It leads to a spiritual separation from God, which is, which is death. Now, that spiritual separation will be an eternal one if we die in sin, if we die without Christ, if we die without having partaken of the gift, without having reached up and said, God, okay. I accept the gift. What benefit then is there of sin? I mean, think about it. I mean, I'm going to ask you to do a weird thing, but think about a sin that really tempts you. It might be power, it might be money, it might be sex, it might be some sort of drug, it might be gossip. Just think of, I mean, well, I don't know what your sin is, but. Imagine just for a moment the sin that really tempts you, your weak point. What benefit is there in that? Momentary, in some cases, fleshly pleasure. But but the cost of it is so heavy. Consider carefully where it leads. 
Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Sin always leads to death. The Savior is very different, though. He always leads to life. He always, he always takes us in the direction to which we should go. Now, that journey's not always easy. Okay? Serving Christ can be a hard thing. He asks you to give up that which you love so dearly. He asks you to walk away from that which your heart is so close to. But he does that that he might free you from sin and deliver you to life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is the eternal gift of life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He leads us to an abundant earthly life, not just to an uh, abundant earthly life and an abundant eternal life. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life. Jesus wants to, to give us life, to bring us to life, to lead us to life, but he will not force you to life. He will not force you to be his servant. You have to choose that. Romans chapter 8, there is now therefore no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. See, he frees you. And he delivers you from sin and condemnation and guilt and death and all of that. But he doesn't just free you from those things. He frees you to some things. To serve. Here's what I want to end tonight. Jesus said, no man can have two masters. He'll hate the one and love the other. Now, he's talking about God and money in the context. and Sunday night crowd knows that, but... But the principle is still true. We cannot have two masters. And, and tonight, if you're, if you're serving sin and living in sin, you're, you're not living like a free person. You're not like living like a person who's been, been carried and delivered from death to life. Sin is you get what you've earned and what you deserve. The wages of sin is death. The wages. What you, when you sin, you get exactly what you deserve. But with the Savior, you get what you did not earn. You receive that which you did not do on your own. Every couple of weeks, Greg will come up to me with a white envelope, or he'll put it outside my, my office, and he gives that to me. It, it, it's not because of the grit. Well, it's because it's what I... It's, He's giving me that white envelope with a check in it on the basis of doing certain things. You understand? It's weird. A preacher has to earn it. (laughs) But everybody has to earn it. But grace is so much different. It's not getting what you've earned. It's, It's simply receiving what God has extended to you, what you didn't earn, what you couldn't earn, what was impossible for you to get on your own. One final scripture, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the good things and the good works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, us, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He saved us, you see. 
He, he gave us grace. He moved us. He moved us from death to life. He moved us from being enslaved to sin to serving in the way of the Savior. My question is, who are you going to serve? You have to choose carefully. And that's a choice that God won't force. Anyone, you have to choose. So if you do not know Christ tonight, I ask you this simple question. Are you ready to change your life forever? That's what serving in Jesus Christ is all about. That's what being enslaved to Jesus Christ is all about. It's moving from sin to a Savior. It's moving from death to life. The question is, who are you, who are you obeying? Who are you serving? May the grace of God free you from sin and death, but may it also free, free you to new life in Christ. If you're ready to begin that journey, you can do so by being immersed, by being buried with Christ, and to begin accepting the free gift given by God to us through Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, there's no better time to do that. As if you have any that or any other need, please come as together we stand and sing.